0: Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Toleric Community Church. Well, hey there, fellow souljourners. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Appropriate in the Culture, your one safe haven in a world gone blitheringly insane. As G.K. Chesterton once said, we shall soon be in a world in which a man may be howled down for saying that two and two make four, in which people will persecute the heresy of calling a triangle a three-sided figure and hang a man for maddening a mob with the news that grass is green. That world is now, as we are clearly living in a culture that treats the law of non contradiction as merely a suggestion, and if it weren't for doublethink, there'd be no thinking at all. I'm Pastor Shane, and I'll be Pastor Shane and simultaneously not Pastor Shane as we dive into society's madness and appropriate some culture. For the last few weeks, we've been analyzing certain ideas perpetuated in the culture and holding them up to the light of Scripture. But today, I want to focus more on possible prescriptives. Increasingly, our culture seems to be one that is not persuaded by fact, reason, or logic, and is starting to resemble George Orwell's dystopian future in 1984 with our embrace of doublethink. As George Orwell said, Doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them—to know and not to know, to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies, to hold simultaneously two opinions which canceled out, knowing them to be contradictory, and believing in both of them, to use logic against logic, to repudiate morality while laying claim to it, to believe that democracy was impossible and that the party was the guardian of democracy, to forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then to draw it back into the memory again at the moment when it was needed, and then promptly to forget it again, and above all, to apply the same process to the process itself. That was the ultimate subtlety—consciously to induce unconsciousness and then, once again, to become unconscious of the act of hypnosis you had just performed. Even to understand the word doublethink involved the use of doublethink. So war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, boys are girls— That last one wasn't one of them in the book, but it might as well have been as the transgender issue is the perfect example of doublethink in action all over the place. On the one hand, we're a culture that believes that blue and pink colored toy aisles is nothing but harmful gender stereotyping, that boys play with trucks and girls play with dolls means nothing and is really only due to the oppressive gender conformity impressed upon us by society. On the other hand, and simultaneously, if a boy likes the color pink and plays with dolls, that's because he's really a girl. So gender norms are totally meaningless, in fact are harmful stereotyping, and also, and simultaneously, gender norms are very meaningful and incredibly helpful to form our identity. We're all for women's rights, and by women we also mean men. Women are unique and markedly different from men, except when men are women, which is why we need women in leadership in the workplace to provide womanly insights, perspectives that only come from the lone experience of being a woman, or a man as the case may be. In summary, gender is an arbitrary societal construct that doesn't matter, which is why it matters that we champion women's rights. The madness that we see all around is an expression of a post-truth or post-reason society. So the question is, how does one actually reach a culture that is not persuaded by fact, reason, or logic? Education might be a solution. It used to be the case that logic and philosophy were formally taught. Students in school would actually learn the principles of things like the law of non-contradiction or the law of excluded middle and various fallacies. Over the decades, though, that was largely phased out and left in the realms of higher education. And now higher and higher education where philosophy departments are less concerned with teaching the basics of Western thought, and more concerned with whether or not we're living in a simulation. Whoa. Oh, my hands can touch anything but themselves. Oh. Bonus points if you got that reference. Anyway, this used to not be a huge problem, because while people were not formally taught logic, they would learn it informally, just through the culture. So while people may not know the labels of fallacies like post hoc ergo propter hoc, they would nevertheless recognize them as fallacious reasoning in real-world terms. But over time, the culture began to drift, and the soundness of one's thinking became less and less about the soundness of one's reasoning, and instead became more and more about adherence to dogma. Nowadays, people are neither formally nor informally trained in the tools of logic, and are bound less by reason and more by ideology. So a corrective for this could be education and a rededication to the basics of logic and philosophy, but there is another way of reaching people that isn't exactly predicated on logic and reason, and yet it does effectively shape our worldview, and that's story. (music) Jesus reasoned, Jesus debated, Jesus argued from scripture, but Jesus also told stories, and that's an area that is often overlooked, and it really shouldn't be. You know, I love apologetics. I think we should love God with our minds. I think as Christians we have strong, rational, logical, and scientific reasons for believing in the truth of Christianity. And if you don't have those reasons, you should get them. But while it's great for bolstering our faith, the truth is very few people in actuality come to believe or are persuaded because of apologetics. Not that it doesn't happen ever, but generally people aren't persuaded by argument or reasoned into faith in Christ. You know, Paul says in Corinthians, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That doesn't mean we don't make arguments. We do. Jesus reasoned, Jesus debated, and Christianity is rational. But in terms of evangelism, one of the most potent things that we found is testimony. Your testimony. People resonate to testimony and respond to your personal experience with Christ. And the thing about that is, testimonies are really just your life as a narrative. And that reaches people on a different level. It's not a polemic, it's not a formal argument, but it gets to something else in us. It conveys truth and speaks to us. That's the power of narrative, and that power is effective whether the narrative is based on true events or not. C.S. Lewis was a great thinker and apologist, and he wrote a wonderful article entitled, Sometimes Fairy Stories May Say Best What's to Be Said. And later in his life, he spent more time writing fiction than non-fiction. G.K. Chesterton is another personal favorite of mine, maybe an even better Christian thinker and apologist, and yet also had a lot of offerings in the realm of fiction. Which brings me to today's sponsor. Appropriate in the Culture is brought to you by my books. Wait a minute. Didn't we already have this sponsor? Yes. So what? Number one, every podcast repeats sponsors. That's what makes them sponsors. And number two, you didn't buy it the first time. As G.K. Chesterton once said, the man who sees nothing wrong in himself is the man who is really wrong. Which, coincidentally, is also the premise behind my book, The Witch, the Gargoyle, and the Perfectly Perfect Man, which is available now. And if you think these are just children's books for children, well, listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. I never wrote down to anyone, and whether the opinion condemns or acquits my own work, it certainly is my opinion that a book worth reading only in childhood is not worth reading even then. I agree. My books, available now. Now, of course, you don't actually have to buy my books. But again, the point of this entire enterprise is not simply to analyze the culture, but to offer a prescriptive. It's time to start doing. It's time to start producing. It's time to start pushing into the culture. If you write, write books, tell stories, put them out there. There's a low bar to entry, believe me. Just do it. And if you're not creative, if you have no ability in that regard, you can still support people who do. Buy their work. Talk about it. Share it. Post about your favorite books and music and movies, the work that deepened or pointed you to Christianity. We need this for our culture. You know, Jonathan Swift once said, Reasoning will never make a man correct an ill opinion, which by reasoning he never acquired. And there is an extent to which that's true. Jesus reasoned, Jesus debated, Jesus argued from Scripture, but Jesus also told stories. And whether or not you personally tell stories, you can point the stories that contain truth. It's like your version of saying, the kingdom of God is like... And you know, it doesn't even have to be Christian, because all truth is God's truth. Now, to do that, we have to, in some ways, deepen the way that we analyze art. Sometimes we approach art superficially or lazily, like we're back in high school, and the teacher is asking us, oh, what does this poem mean, or what is the author trying to convey? But it's not nonsense. You know, we understand the need for proper hermeneutics when it comes to the Bible, but not necessarily when it comes to other literature. And we really should. Because then, everything can be an evangelism springboard, even art that disagrees with our worldview. You can invite people to church, that's kind of awkward, will they come, maybe, maybe not. But what if you invited them to go see a movie, that's less awkward especially if it's not a Christian movie. And then afterwards, you can talk about it. Let's go get some coffee. Let's get a drink and talk about what you just saw, the themes of it, the worldview of it. What'd you agree with? What'd you disagree with? And that's an easy way to introduce your Christian worldview. You can suggest that people read the Bible. Will they? Probably not. Even Christians don't read it. Well, how about a novel? How about The Witch, the Gargoyle, and The Perfectly Perfect Man? Would they read that? Bad example. Nobody reads that. But what about a book from a competent writer? And then ask, what do you think about it? Discuss the themes. Discuss the meaning of it. Christians intentionally entering into the spheres of art is not just a beneficial means of implanting Christian ideas, but it's also a means for us to have cultural touchstones to better and more effectively share the gospel. Well, maybe we'll talk about that more, but that's it for today. As usual, if you like what we're doing here, expand our reach, like, share, review, and subscribe, and I'll see you next week for more Appropriate in the Culture. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.